Welcome back to an all new installment of the Super Metal Brothers podcast, where we should remain perfect strangers. I'm Super Metal Brother Matt. And I'm Super Metal Brother Dan. Bringing back the class that I ran into an old friend of mine called Paul Kaiser today, and funny enough, he's actually starting a Deep Pepper cover band, Danny. Hasn't Ray Machine Head going around? No, nah, got- he's, he's in Burn now. So you've got Machine oh. Head, right? You don't just do Machine Head albums. And Paul Kaiser's in a band called Burn, which don't do just the funky, bluesy stuff of the uh, Deep Purple era. Well, I didn't realise there was that much demand for like two Deep Purple bands in LA, but there you go. Well, it's a free gig at the old spot. Don't know when it is, but uh, if you're looking for it, Burn's a band, Deep Purple's the covers they're going to be playing. And uh, yeah, something a little bit interesting for you, making more bank than you could doing something original, but that, that's a story for another time, I guess. Yeah, I think we'll find out with, um, probably actually we're talking about it this week probably sometime, but it always comes up with like artists struggling and no money in the whole music field. Well, don't worry about that because we have the solution. What about bands who basically retire, with the members, all the members of the bands retire, but the band still goes on under that moniker? Well, that, today we've asked a question to our fans. Should a band be shut down after there's no original members? Or should it go on until whenever, you know? Until all the shits and gigs have been run out? Um, yeah, we asked the fans that. So we've also got a CD review this week. Bloodshot Dawn's latest album reanimation from the uh, UK giants down that way. But uh, first day, take a look at the news. Straight off the bat, we are talking Steel Panther. They felt really unwelcome while touring with Motley Crue. Generally, I hear stories out of Motley Crue's books as a biography that they made it a life of, or, or at least a name for themselves, of making people feel uncomfortable. You know, you read The Dirt and they're forever, you know, having affairs with a manager's girlfriends or doing drugs or doing drugs on manager's girlfriends. It just seems like they're doing everything to make people unhappy and have fun of their own. And now it seems like they've actually uh, not liked it when the band's parodying themselves doing the exact same thing they were doing 10 years ago. Yeah, there could be, I think, a couple of ways of looking at this. One, it could be uh, Motley Crue thinking Steel Panther taking the piss off them and their pride and ego is not really happy with it. The other thing could be is maybe they've upset of what they've created. So like Motley Crue says, we've made a legacy, we've done all the best we can, and look back, it's like, wow, we've created Steel Panther, that's what we've got to show for it. It's like, what have we done? Now, I think, well, what they reckon the, the guys from Steel Panthers, especially the drummer we're talking about, is that they feel like they're parroting Motley Crue too, too much or being too serious about it or something and taking the, the piss out of them. They don't like that. And for that, I'd say, well, if that's true in any case, I mean, they should have been anything. I'm just delighted that someone's keeping alive the uh, really hot girls dressing, or a really, guy, really average looking guy dressing up as hot girls. I guess that's the whole point of being in a glam rock band. Yeah, they don't know what's really doing these days. Try to keep the tradition alive. Sure, the lyrics may be a bit more fine and more... Yeah, they're light-hearted, but musicianship-wise, these guys are fantastic. They used to actually be a um, uh, cover band in like California, and they used to play like Van Halen covers and all these covers. So they're quite apt as good players. They just decided to turn into a um, like fun band. I guess so, and good for them. Um, another band that uh, we're talking about here, Testament, with the guitarist Eric Peterson on metal's decline in the popularity of the nineties. Uh, basically, we saw uh, heavy metal declining for a little bit in the nineties due to the grunge era. And it was awesome, according to Eric Pearson, it weeded out the week. Now, funny enough, at the time, new metal as well was coming kind of through the ranks. Metal was at its most popular I've seen. At least it'd be at its highest that we would see it for quite a long time. And we've never seen it return to those dizzying heights of seeing Metallica, Pantera and all that on video hits and all that kind of stuff. 
Yeah, I guess he, Eric Pearson probably doesn't consider new metal metal, yeah. and that's probably why, because he kind of just saw it as thrash bands, had a thrash band, kind of declined, and he was saying that like, album sales used to be massive, like uh, was it Metallica used to get like the tens of million album sales a year, and that went back to a million. Uh, they used to get hundred thousands of sales a year, back down to like hundred thousand album sales a year. Mm. So they really noticed a massive hit back then, and. Yeah, like I say, most of the people were saying again to that metal because they were like a bit of posery metal fans. Like most people do. Once something becomes popular, you have all those poses in it. And once it does become popular, they all kind of go back to the next fad. And I think that's what kind of happened in the 90s. But like Eric Pearson said back then as well, like when he first started, there was like 10 thrash bands signed and 20 unsigned thrash bands. Now you have like a thousand signed bands, but like 2 million unsigned thrash bands. The, the number of bands out there now is just massive yeah that's right so good luck to all that uh, i do agree though new metal was kind of taking off right then and uh we're seeing it kind of come back with a nostalgia at the moment you know we're seeing corn headline uh, download festival which is pretty massive to think that a band that was uh, over 30 years old is still pulling in those serious numbers for, uh, for at least a, a festival um and we even hear stuff like limp biscuit going around as well so yeah i'm with you danny like i think he's right in saying that some of those poses got weirded out but at the same time it's uh uh, we haven't seen it recover to those points either, so who knows what happens next. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, unless, yeah, Spotify starts paying people again or something massive happens, people start buying albums. Ouch. Oh, well, let's talk about some controversy right now. Nothing spells controversy as much as Take has this last couple of weeks. Now, if you don't know who Take are, they're pretty much a black metal band designed on blast beats and all the crazy stuff. And uh, as we talked about last week, they were banned, or they were banned, there was a venue that not didn't allow them to play at it. They thought, uh, you know, they, they're singing scene with swash stickers and all that, so they must be affiliated with white, uh, white supremacist groups or something, and uh, that's just not cool, uh, according to, uh, to these groups. And now King Dude, the band that was supporting Tate, has pulled out the tour. And what must be the weakest um, uh, way of doing so as well, then, yeah, apparently this guy calls himself a Luciferian or something. So I guess yeah. he's a Satan worshiper. It's another nice way of putting it. Yeah, but you, uh, a Luciferian to me sounds like someone who might believe in the idea of Satan, but doesn't actually believe that Satan like is some sort of tangible. Maybe like what is that a Luciferian? Like, oh, it's like some someone saying, "Well, I am, you know, part uh, Alleged United fan, but I've never been to a game and I've never bought mid-season tickets." But when they're on the TV, I'll put it on for five minutes. Yeah. Like, is that what Luciferian is? Like, I put on. That I read like a three pages of the Satan Bible and then just you know leave it there to collect dust with all your other books and stuff and love like the loved ones and stuff. Yeah, it's it's, it's funny because if he is like a Luciferian, they'll believe in free will and free speech. So technically, he should not be saying this. He should be like, well, technically, that's your free will. You're not actually physically hurting anybody. Yeah. Sure, I don't agree with what you're saying, but you know, I wouldn't do what you do, yeah. but and, don't do it. Yeah. You know, the one point that I got was I absolutely do not welcome political discourse at my concert as it has no place there. Um, the problem was that King Dude knew who Tate was before getting onto this, right? And the problem that I find is that he doesn't want any negative uh, connotations going surrounding him because he wants to save some face with it. But up until then, it's like, dude, why don't you just, you live or die by the sword. So, and like I said, someone's a Lucifer, Luciferian, what's the problem, you know? It's, it's these venues like, um, like especially with another one here we're going to report with, with this Talib uh, Kirli has cancelled his show at the Riot Room at Kansas City and then that's what then further that, that uh, venue to cancel take afterwards because certain other rappers or whatever didn't want to be affiliated with the venue 
that had uh, someone who's apparently this you know white supremacist, even though there's you know, still need the, the the thing out for that. Yeah, according to the guy, he's actually not a white supremacist. He said he painted a swastika on his chest to, to troll, to troll to, apparently, to upset yeah. people, to see how far. And that's the thing. That's all. That's what metal does. It does things to piss people off. Like that's exactly why we're doing it because you know. We, we, everyone here hates pop music and hates a manufactured way of doing it to a degree maybe or at least some of the people in the metal industry do and that's what they get upon what's the problem but you know something about this Antifa group has a lot more pull and uh, the guilt factor that they have is, is far more stronger than the representation of just good plain old wholesome music yeah I mean yeah so just be careful. Look, if you want to be fun or you want to think you're doing something edgy and stuff, just be careful because it's going to bite in the ass. It's not like the 90s where you could do what the fuck you want. Yeah, yeah. Now you pretty much have to really be careful. And the problem is that a lot of these guys write these songs and lyrics back in the 80s and 90s. And it was a different world then, but they're singing their songs now. People are like, no, no, you can't sing about that anymore. It's, uh, times are changing. Sure it is. But what about Machine Head? They're all thinking about it's insane having the level of success this deep into their career. I agree, after that last album, I'm surprised they even got three fans that would make it out to a local show. Like, that's uh, that's the way it is, you know, but they have recorded a bunch of shows that kept relevant, and he's stealing the formula of uh, the uh, R&B and the rap thing, which is right now making more money than, than Rock is, so he's got his finger on the pulse at least. Yeah, did he like do this interview before he released Catharsis or after he released Catharsis? Because it could be one of those things that, now this was an interview like six months ago, yeah, yeah we're doing so well, now, yeah, not so much. Well, they got just got announced Australia-wide tour, they're playing at HQ Complex, and uh, to be honest, for a metal band to be playing at Adelaide's probably best sounding venue, uh, wouldn't be the biggest venue, but definitely best sounding, that's a good thing. Yeah, I know, definitely like that. Oh, they're still a massive band. We've seen Soundwave, and he's a great front man. Look, they've, they've, had, they've got a legacy, they've got a lineage, they've got great fans. As long as they don't play too many new songs off the Catharsis album, they'll probably be fine. Play any songs. I mean, like, that's the thing. They've got plenty in their back catalog. Don't know, but you know what's going to happen? They're going to play half of the album. They're proud of it. There's 73 minutes of it. Don't think that you're going to hear Davidian at all. So good luck with your uh, frustration levels there. Yeah, they might do like a dream theater thing and half the set's a new album and the last set is like old stuff. If they can prepare with that, it'd be like great because you'd see like two different sides of fans. You know, you'd see the fans who like Machine Head and then no one. Yeah, <laughs> but at least, at least you see like people either rock in after intermission or leave at intermission because they know what's happening next. What about Art of Anarchy, Danny? We'll move on to the singer Scott Stapp. Apparently he's of all Creed fame as well. Now, apparently he uh, failed to tour with the band and participate in promotional photos and video shoots and publicity events, which required his contract, so the band is suing him for $1.2 million. Apparently it's ruined their chances with a, uh, a record label and stuff like that as well. Their uh, compensation levels, is this what they were expecting or is this is what we all hope for desperately but never quite achieve? Yeah, this is really clever because what they've done, right, they've got all the rest of the guys in the band, they're probably struggling for it. Like, they're not, they're like standing musicians. They get okay yeah. money or nothing so they got one guy in the band who has a lot of money and like yeah let's just sue this guy so we can get some of his money yeah. you're playing money creed guy give us some of your money yeah exactly you gotta be part of that creed money right now so all you have to do is just piss him off enough then he doesn't rock up to any gigs and it's like oh look he's not coming to any shows you know yeah and like that that's a way of doing it that's probably why tremonti like made his own band because this guy probably just like no go away he's probably too hard yeah. to work with because apparently he was like that he kind of started well he did a couple of shows at the tour then he left never came back so he could be a bit of a douche, but... Yeah, it's possible. It is possible. But hey, look, if they get $1.2 million from it, that'll be far easier to sleep at night. I must think what Creed would be making back in the day in order for him to be spare if he does lose it. Yeah, they have video hits money, man. Yeah, yeah so, video yeah. hits money. It's crazy. 
Anthrax guitarist. Uh, I didn't think Axel Rose joining ACDC. He didn't like the idea of it. And then he saw him and heard him live. And apparently hearing some riff rap was all he needed because it sounded perfect. That was the thing I found too. Like, many people have a very legitimate grievance with the singer Axel Rose from Guns N' Roses, right? Uh, he's notorious for being an absolute jerk to work with, terrible with the stage hands, um, average with even on stage performances. You know, there's the classic one how they didn't play up to Metallica that one time because they felt shown up, so they decided not to play at all. Um, so I guess that's, you have a good grievance, but when you hear it too, I must admit, I think he actually fits that mold fairly well. Yeah, I think he gets what a nose gets the range, has that like unique tone, which is kind of ACDC tone to a degree. I think he's a fine fit. I guess people don't like change, and people also want to be like, nah, actually, Rose is like that new kid stuff. We're like ACDC fans. We're like the old school. This, yeah, we, we aside separate. from like yeah, all that classic, yeah, you know, there's plenty of hate in one, but I think when it comes to ACDC, we can at least agree that, you know, it's not a misstep there, you know? Uh, it's hard to uh, justify having people like that getting even more money and doing even more success after, you know, so many times they've done the Gene, you know, the Gene Simmons. Yes. But, you know, eventually, we have to then decide, you know, he is a talent for a reason, and uh, it's it's true when it comes to this one. Yeah, again, all the power to him. Uh, more likely, Brian Johnson is done. I think his ears are really buggered, and mm-hmm. that's it for him. So, ACDCN, uh, Rose, get used to it. If, if ACDC keep going on for much well, longer. That's it. We'll have to talk about it a little bit later on with the Kiss episode. Max Cavalera fell into a massive state of de- total depression for the first three months after leaving Sepultura. I guess Sepultura were probably making, or Sepultura hits money at one point, I would have imagined, they were quite well. Um, but you can feel very safe. We did a review of the Cavalera Conspiracy album that he did with his brother on drums, and it was a decent album. He's got the chops in him still, and he can still write a good song. Will this come to affect him though, after leaving Sepultura? He's probably not earning that that kind of great money, but he's got the freedom, I guess. Yeah, and then he did Soulfly, people love Soulfly. But one of the people who talked to me out of the depression was Ozzy Osbourne, of right. all people. It's amazing how he did at Ozzy's house, and I was like, you know, you just gotta get out there and do it, man. Do you reckon Ozzy remembered that interview at all? No. <laughs> I think he remembered what he had for breakfast <laughs> and his brunch. <laughs> it is true, absolutely. Um, aborted. Daniel, you love them. They're, they've written one of your favorite albums of all time, The Chronic Manifesto. Then they released another album afterwards, which we reviewed and we didn't really love, we didn't hate. You know, it started pretty strong. Then it kind of meh to, to us. But they are going to maybe redeem themselves with a new album. They've finished writing it and now they're going to record it. Yeah, these guys have like a two album, two year cycle for albums. Yeah. Amazing. Re- regardless of who's on the album writing it, they churn this out faster than my cow does butter. I don't have a cow, but if I did, I'd make it shit butter for breakfast. <laughs> I love it. I see it that way. But uh, they are a grindcore band, so the albums aren't overly long, I think 35, 40 minutes. But still, every two years, a new album comes your way. Yeah. So if you want a back catalog of board, have a lot of spare cash because they got like probably 10 albums out. They've only been around for like two years or something. It's true, but in saying that too, they've got quite a lot of different sounds and array of ideas and stuff as well. So you find the album that's right for you and pretty much have it in a two, three album cycle. And they're probably the first band we actually do two CDs to review because we've, you know, been around for at least two years soon. So yeah. there you go. So that, that that's like our um, measuring stick of how long we've been around for. Iron Maiden's frontman, Bruce Dickinson, our first album sounds like shit. Well, you know, it's a debatable it's just your first there, Bruce. You know, you are in a band called Iron Maiden. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, but in all honesty, Danny, wow, way, way to uh, shoot the old guy in the, in the foot. You know, is, that, is he talking about his first album he was on, or was he talking about the first album ever written? No, first album from I Maiden. So Paul Diano was yeah. on singing. Uh, I mean, he has two shots. One, he goes, oh, the production's terrible. I'm like, yeah, it's your first album. It's always going to be terrible. Yeah. But he didn't he didn't really like say if he liked the songs or not. He just kind of thought about production. So are you saying the song's bad? Or yeah. are, you, are you saying the song's bad? Maybe you are in that case. Are you attacking Paul? Are you attacking... Apparently, there's more of a punk feel, so he didn't like it. But a lot of people find like the first couple of Metallic, uh, made, Metallica... I made albums like Killers and I Made and some of the better albums. So for Bruce Slater, I'm not sure if you know he's just... Bit, bit of spitefulness or a bit angry or whatever it is but I don't know it's weird because he's been a bit weird lately Bruce he's been coming out saying like really like douchey things lately yeah he's uh, the more older he gets the more gene of like he's getting and he's just saying off the cuff a lot of things and I guess he doesn't really care anymore whatever thought enters his head he can say and someone out there from CNN or Metal Sucks is going to report it and actually yeah. and then the clickbait of it will be enough to um, to make money off of it so Maybe that's it, but you're right, he's kind of gone to a point where it's like any kind of fart that enters his head, they've documented it. It's like, dude, stop being a jerk, man. Like, it's hard enough, like, we're just talking about people not making any money, and now you're like shitting on your own band. You know, you're like, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah, it's pretty good, actually. It right. makes sense. It's kind of like when you replace a guy before you at work, so that guy was terrible. He did nothing right. I'm completely better than him. We've got a bit of a theme this week. We're just going to finish off with some stories at the moment, just with around. Um, and Marlon Manson, he came out with a really bad out, uh, bad uh, gig, and uh, he wanted people to love him and stuff like that. And now he's even been accused of not only doing bad performances, but bad conduct of conversation, sexual harassment, and racist remarks uh, from the actress Charlene Yee. Uh, she's turned out and said, It is so triggering to see people come up the internet who have harassed you. Um, she's talking about a time when every woman on a set that she was working on was. Talking about like he was saying about scissoring and rhinos and calling him a her a Chinaman. That's kind of funny though, you know. But again, it's not really. Is it really welcome, Danny? Is it my man sound lying here? What's going on? Oh look, if he says stupid things, then he should be told off. But again, you tell him off in person. Don't like wait five years down the track yeah. and say now because he's he's in the low point. You keep attacking him. Well, no, you say you, send him a private email or talk to him privately, saying, "Look, mate, I didn't appreciate what you said. I'd like an apology." And if he probably would. If it doesn't, well, that's that's your problem with him. It's not our everybody's problem. Yeah, we've also got the uh, Visions of Atlanta singer as well. Uh, female musicians are still required by the audience to have a pretty face. Uh, I don't think any audience has demanded that their um, lead singer become three marks or more attractive than they're going to buy concert tickets. I'm not too sure where that came from. Yeah, like one of the um, biggest bands, Kitty. Like I don't want to be too rude here, but they're not supermodels. They're nah. just average girls, and but they've yeah. done quite successfully themselves. Here's the thing. As a, as a man, uh, at least been a man for at least majority of my 33 years in its existence, now, uh, from what I can remember, right, um, it didn't matter. As soon as I was in the metal scene and I saw a chick, I automatically thought she was the hottest thing ever because she's into one of the most greatest musical styles ever. And once they go through the metal... Now, here's the thing. Uh, everyone has to go through the metal kind of like... Uh, patch where you have to prove your worth as a metalhead, right? So you're not just a like. So who's your favorite band? Oh, Metallica. What album? The Black Album. All right. So you get your metal card revoked. Right? <laughs> yeah. And and the fans are all, uh, on your ass. Whether you're man, woman, uh, whatever color you are, maybe blue, like our Daniel's amazing um, cupboard over here. Uh, it doesn't matter, right? So once you've proven that, that like, yeah, my my favorite band is like. Uh, Sepultura, and it's like the, the first three albums, and then the seventh album, whatever. Like, you know what I mean? Like, oddly specific, and, and, and who's your favorite singer of it, you know? Um, 
So when they say that they, the uh, the singer needs to be more attractive, what are they really talking about, Danny? Uh, my music's not good. And yeah. the only way people want to listen to my band is if I'm hot. Because <laughs> <laughs> this chick here, right? This, this chick here, she's like saying this. But if you see her like live and you see her on her albums, she puts full makeup on and killer like dresses and everything. So she's not like trying to hide the fact she's attractive. She's like still using that for her. Well, she kind of like it. cuts it all off. From, uh, she cuts herself after the knees here because at that point she actually isn't being um, quoted by here saying, and not just from men, from women as well, as this is even worse at some point. And that's the thing, like you see, uh, you hear about it, oh, sometimes like women dress up to, not only to look at men looking, but to attack other women. And all that sort of bullshit. I'm not going to talk about that. But it's kind of like, so your bigger problem is that women harassing you for not being pretty enough or not buying tickets. That's strange. I've never heard this at a concert before, ever. Like, what kind of concerts do people at Vigil Atlantis uh, get to, man? I don't, I don't uh, want to go there, man. But in the end, when you hear music most of the time, you're in your car or you're at home through CD or through USB. Oh. So you're not, you're not seeing people. So most of the bands you first hear of, you actually don't even know what they look like. You probably hear their music first, and that's what gets just, you drawn to them. Just imagine the arsehole that's like, listens to like, Lacuna Coil or something of, oh, she's hot, so maybe we'll do something else. Uh, listens to a, a, ch- a chick singing in his favorite metal band. He's like, automatically well, no, seduced like a siren and follows her to another country because, you know, that's how powerful her voice is. Just to see her live and going, like, oh, she's a solid six. And then, like, you know, asking for a refund. Like, what joke? That would make the news. Like, it would actually make the first three pages of Metal Sucks, Metal Injection. Yeah, They've yeah. been dying for this person yeah. to come out so they can put a face to it. But all they can do is get, like, vague descriptions of, of concerts or something, you know? Yeah, it's just, look, there'd probably be some sort of truth to that because some sort of truth to everything. At the same time, if your music is solid and you've got great production on great shows, people are going to watch you. And yeah. that's pretty much it, you know? Yeah. So... Uh, we, we could safely say we're as triggered as uh, certain people at uh, Marlon Manson, um, you know, backstage passes <laughs> at the moment. So let's move it on to our uh, very much podcast question of the week. Okay, so the podcast question this week, Danny, it's an interesting one. We thought, you know, we'd talk about how bands, you know, it doesn't matter what happens. Sometimes they have all original members uh, leave it. Sometimes only a couple, but they keep going on. Do we think now, though, we should finally draw a line in the sand and say, bands, once they lose their original members, should call it a day? Or should the name live on forever in the hearts and minds, even if they get new members, get a new sound, doesn't matter, it's the brand, doesn't matter. Super Blood Dan, we've got a few people here that have answered the question first. We'll go to them first. Yeah, why not? All right, Kylie Elliott has uh, responded to the question and said, at the end of the day, it's up to the band, knowing Gene through what would he change it, anything to keep making money. We're, of course, referring to the Kiss um, thing, Danny. You want to talk a little bit about that article? Yeah, so pretty much Paul Stanley came out and said, one day he can see Kiss continuing with no original members. So kind of like him handing the baton to like another group of people who would don the... Uh, black and white makeup and go around pretty much as a Kiss tribute band. Yeah, so she keep, she goes on and says, I read it in a Gene interview once, he said that if he found the right people then they could probably do it without anybody knowing because all the get, get ups they wear and stuff like that. Not sure you could get past hardcore Kiss fans though with this kind of uh, shit though. Um, if they do it for real, you have to ask yourself, would you want to see the Kiss concert without original members? That's the thing, with the fans decide if they're not gonna put their money where their mouth is, doesn't matter. However, wouldn't that be ironic where like a Kiss cover band calls themselves something else gets more fans than the actual band Kiss because no original members but are just basically doing that <laughs> covering the band. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit of a tricky one. 
Who else we got there, Matt? We've also got Clayton Carson. Get all the new members and call them Smock or Pep. Uh, yeah, blowjob. Uh, I want to hug you past nine o'clock. There's plenty of names you could probably give that's all in relation. They could wear like corpse paint, just like Kiss, but maybe things of uh, other farm animals. Yeah, instead of Kiss, like Kiss, but spell it C H I M one S. You know, just to make it slightly different. Yeah, so I've got one more here uh, from Pat Ahern. So give me one sec while I load that up. Um, but I think that's the thing. It's uh, we've got to some uh, pretty much people agreeing so far. Which is the way it is at the moment. Um, Danny, what do you think of the feeling so far before we get to the last person? Yeah, but this is like, again, a real clever marketing thing for like Gene and Kiss. Because the whole point of this is that like, okay, we can retire and sit at home. But because this tribute band is continuing on, we can still get money from our royalties and not do nothing. Well, so it is quite brilliant. Pat, I heard they've been saying it for a year, but it probably will not happen. Most hardcore fans already see the current lineup as being a cover band from the original Kiss. Uh, interesting point. Danny, I think if Pat had a point here with this particular one with Kiss, it might not happen because with Kiss, you know, like you said, after they've gone and they can't make any more money. Well, maybe they can. Like I said, they want the brand to keep going. They get the revenue. I can't imagine Gene Simmons not wanting to do it. It just seems very much in his interest to keep anything alive to get a stream going. Yeah, the thing is his ego. you got to let that. Will his ego let someone else take over his base? and play songs because once they get like a really talented bass player who shreds and destroys Gene you think Gene's gonna uh, like that? Uh, I don't know if Gene's uh, ego is, is passed by how fat his wallet is you know I think that's even like you said um, Money. He's, he's like dude even if you like to play better bass than him he probably could or even look better at being Gene has a longer tongue or something sleeps with more women it's possible you know it, uh, damn right probable um, but I do think that uh, they will continue KISS because they just need some more of those KISS dollars. What, what other merch can they sell? Well, what Gene's done quite cleverly now this week, he's actually, um, he wants all these KISS tribute bands around the world to thank KISS for their music. Because, yeah, fair enough, I understand where he's coming from. These KISS bands make a bit of money because they just do songs they didn't write or do nothing to it. Yeah, that's what it is. But this is also really clever because I'm pretty sure Gene says, yeah, when you write your name, also write the city you're from yeah. and a contact email. Because then I can, because he, he in that in, yeah. in that article he actually talks about, oh, a lot of these guys don't understand how trademarks and copyrights work. Because that's what he wants to do. He wants to get a list of all the Kiss fans in the world and find out who they are, so he can get them to pay like royalties for doing the song. So he's he's trying to franchise the Kiss name to every country. You can be like Kiss it's, Australia yeah. and Kiss Friendly. It's, it's a very lawyer um, answer, isn't it? It's almost like you said, you've you seen the writing on the wall. So for the fans that are Kiss fans, don't do it. Just ran off the radar, avoid the CIA and avoid the main roads because you know you might get caught. Well, and he's also got to think like he's got to thank those bands because those bands are keeping Kiss relevant to the people. Yeah, that's right. You're not releasing any new material, and people you're not on the radio anymore. So people are like yeah, Kiss, they're keeping yeah. your songs alive for you. So when you do that final world tour for the seventh time, you've got a crowd to play with, you know. And why is he asking for thanks when you're giving the music to people? And once you've done that, it's their song as well. They can enjoy it the way they want it. They want to. You know, lie naked in their bed with all kiss dollars and uh, smear kiss makeup on themselves and their dogs. Why not? You know, it's their thing. I mean, poor dog, but it's that's that's the song. It's there. So why does he? You know, it's just like you're welcome. Have it. Enjoy it. You know, buy our merch. That's this, it. This is terrible. He's like one of those oil uh, tycoons who purposely stops like electric car film stuff because he wants more money. Yeah. Even though he's so rich and no one wants his damn oil anymore. He said, no, we shall force down your throat because I like having more money. 
Okay, so now we've moved on from the KISS uh, Army talk, because we've been doing that for a while. So let's talk about now, Denny, should bands retire their name because, you know, there's no original members. The idea, the focus... Um, the one thing I want to get out from the start is that when I started a band with my friends and stuff like that, I have a mission goal and I know what I want to do with it. I want to keep it as a metal band, I want it to have a certain feel, a certain look, a certain philosophy. And it's actually a lot of makeup, a certain producer, I want a certain sound. And all these things go into making and it becomes a culture so that the brand becomes its own culture, right? Um, when that, when a couple of strong heads of that band leave and then they decide to impose their own personality and stuff like that, it, the, the, it changes, right? To a point that it's even always unrecognizable. Um, but the moniker of the band still stands the same because they play the same songs and they're allowed to play the same songs. Uh, in your eyes, Danny, I think we've got two questions to ask. For you, do you consider them the same band? Or um, would you say it's a separate entity, Danny? Yeah, you have to call it separate for the simple fact that it is. Like, it's, it's hard because once the main songwriters leave a band, the sound will change. Yeah. You can't help it. The, the new guys might try to keep it similar, but it'll be similar. It won't be the same. Yeah. But I guess calling this, like Sepultura, for example, that's one of those bands who all the original members have gone. It's all new, but they keep the same name. Uh, like their style changed. They try to keep some of the old school going, but it changed. But at least it allows old school fans to still hear the old school songs. So otherwise, if if they do change the band name, who plays the old songs? Or you just lose these songs. So yeah. it, that becomes one of the good things about keeping a band going, a name going. But at the same time, you, but then some bands like Opeth, who've changed their style so much, aren't even themselves anymore. Yeah, so, and they've retained you know, them fairly. Oh no, so the drummer did leave. So you had the, yeah, but Michael Appelfeld, he's the main songwriter. He's been there from the very get go. And his sound's always been moving around and stuff. And a lot of people would argue that way. Perth has changed so much that they're, they're hardly the same band anymore, at least the band they fell in love with. Um, I think at the end of the day, to make a, a real a simple answer, like you said, Danny, yeah, of course, the bands can do whatever they want. If that, it, the delay, once the band becomes what it is, like, you know, so they announce themselves as Kiss and they're forever that band, whoever's in there or whoever isn't. And we have acknowledged that and people have bought records and that and said that it is. But as far as we're concerned, like I said, Danny, if the main songwriter leaves and it changes, we are no longer going to give them the most important thing and that's our hard-earned dollars, I think. Oh, exactly right. And again, if, yeah, the fans will, will answer for you. So if you think it's right to keep your name and no fans rock up, well, maybe you shouldn't keep your name. Well, that's right. Like with Nevermore, for instance, with uh, you know, Jeff Lewis has come out and said the guitarist, who's one of the no, yeah, he was a original member with um, with uh, Warrell Dane. And once he once Warrell Dane passed away, he's like, well, that's it for Nevermore. It is done now. We are not going to uh, continue this anymore. It's it cannot be the same without it, without any of the members. And I get the, I think for them, they, they really understand what it is to make music together and what it is to tell a story and to have concepts and to work with those musicians. And when you work with those musicians, you get a certain context of songs. So I think for me, that's the, the philosophy I respect from bands. Because it's really up to the bands to do it themselves, to self-monitor themselves that way. And they're the bands that I like to follow. Yeah, but again, this is a very broad question. It's... Yeah, it's a very broad question. It's like one of those band by band situations. But Kiss is just trying to make it turn to a business model. Yeah. And that's what they're trying to do. And again, very gene, very gene. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. Look, even like you said, we were saying before, bands that have no original members now that I keep going, um, like Sepultura and that, people are still liking it and they're going to play all the songs that you're going to hear. Like, effectively, they're just a cover band, really, um, that are writing some new songs that you get to like. And I think. If you want to hear those songs in like an arena and stuff like that, you know, that's your best chance. But 
then like you know we see guys like Max and I'm sure they'll be playing some of those songs in their own um, time as well I've heard that with um, Led Zeppelin with uh, Robert Plant he actually still does renditions of classic Led Zeppelin songs like um, uh, Cashmere and stuff like that you know in, even in his own different way so you know that's the thing it's 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 basically I guess the song is the song that transcends the band itself doesn't really matter who plays it they do it well but um, I always consider that the band for me is dead and I, once the original band members are out I wouldn't consider them the same band whether they go by the same name or not it's completely up to them but um, I would generally support the artists that wrote it and find out what they're doing next yeah fair play but we have to acknowledge it because at the end of the day hey look that's the thing like Kiss are allowed to do that um, and you can't be upset with them because plenty of million bands have done this before where you know a, a certain member leaves and then another member leaves and then eventually it goes to, it goes to shit so you know they, they can do it you know whatever they want to do with it it's up to them I'm not a Kiss fan at all so I think I've even bought a CD from them so whatever but uh, for me yeah definitely once once this the original members leave or a certain member who goes in there and it really defines the band and defines a strong set of songwriting yeah that's that's definitely where I'm at ah very good yeah, yeah cool. cool so alright then so we'll move on with our final segment this week and we're going to talk about our CD review Bloodshot Dawn is the band reanimation is the CD we are talking about melodic death metal heads uh, that are hailing from Portsmouth Danny like a bit of football, a bit of Portsmouth. I think they're in the championship anymore. What are they doing themselves? Actually, I don't know where they were. They went bankrupt for a while and they had to rebuild. Yeah, that's right. Was that because... Oh, that's why the song's about... Re- the album's called Reanimation. So that's so what... Yeah. We found the main purpose to revitalise football within their community um, in Hampshire and England. So we're talking now about a four-piece. we got Josh McRoran, McMoran on guitars, vocals and Morgan Reed on guitars, vocals. James Stewart or Gigolo uh, on drums, and Guacomo Gastaldi bass. Sounds like a very Liverpool name. Very, very English band. (laughs) (laughs) Multicultural for the win. Quick brief synopsis about history before we get into it. Uh, They formed in 2003, evolved pretty much from a groove-oriented death metal band, kind of tasting a few things like technicality, extreme ideas, and some other things as well. Hailed by Terrorizer as... The uh, band that delivers blistering live shows, Bloodshot Dawn, have become a household name in the underground in the UK, definitely, but are making waves overseas. Now, this album, Reanimation, takes off from other albums that they've, uh, I think they've got two before it. Um, They did receive the departure of one Benjamin Ellis. Now, what happened to Benjamin Ellis then? Well, I don't want to say upgrade, it seems a bit harsh, but he's gone into a... (laughs) A bigger band, a, bigger, <laughs> yeah. well, a more well-known band called uh, Sky Symmetry. Yeah, Sky Symmetry uh, was his dream project. You hear the guys' guitar solos on the earlier albums uh, from Bloodshot Thorn. You really hear Pan Nielsen's, uh, even in his songwriting ability as well with uh, Ben Ellis, what he would bring to Bloodshot Thorn. Very much inspired by the Sky Symmetry. He got a chance to tour with his favourite band and eventually be a part of it. So congratulations, Ben Ellis. But his departure, has it seen much change in his band? Has it gotten worse the guitarist as well? Ben Ellis was known as an absolute freak, a prodigy on the guitars, would have practiced far more than Miss Birthdays or, or funerals ever could imagine, Danny. Yeah, definitely right. He's also a one-off teacher to Mr. Matthew Moroni. I have taken a few lessons to him. Uh, I can attest that the guy knows what he's talking about. He's a very big theory geek. Honestly, he's very... Um, 
the way he looks at guitar solos is, is, is about scary. Like there's just uh, ways uh, that uh, people cannot understand. And he's a, and he becomes a national at it now. He's, got, he's done it for so long that he's very good at it. But he's not in the band. So That's right. did the band continue well without him? That's what you just find out. Yeah, we're just also trying like, you know, tell people this up front so they don't feel like, you know, we're favoriting yeah. or not because he's there or not there well safe to say reanimation has a replacement guitarist that definitely stands up and delivers this guy is an absolute well both guitarists can solo but definitely the other guy who's soloing off this album is an absolute freak there is no doubt about it Dan. the musicianship level from the guitars on this album is incredible yeah definitely and it starts off that way like track one just starts off like a really technical fast lick to like throw you right into it it doesn't even start off with like a little instrumental a bit of like synth to get you into it it just yeah. starts with like yeah. yeah most most riffs uh aside from the chorus <laughs> yeah are generally pretty um pretty crazy it's it's definitely a death metal at heart at times with a more like death metal uh, edge to it uh it, literally like i said uh guitar solos all of them are clinics um uh, certain riffs and certain feels and all that are, are a marvel these guys obviously practice and uh there are riffs in this. I reckon it's one of our most riff-heavy albums I've ever reviewed off this thing. Like this is not technical death metal like Omophagia or like um, uh, what's that other band that's really extreme? I can't remember them now. We reviewed Ashfear as well. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like riff-heavy. It's got a lot of riffs going on, but it's not changing every ten seconds. But there are a lot of riffs. Yeah, or well, like Rings of Saturn type thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, the songs are at decent length as well, so they're really fleshed out. Um, so while we're talking about the guitars, I guess we can talk about what makes up a, a Bloodshot Dawn sound. And I guess the signature sound is still on this album where it is pretty much a death metal, more like death metal kind of style, bad cop from the guitars, and then good cop standing for the choruses. Yeah, definitely right. Yeah, yeah. Verses and your pre-chorus set, Jack Dra, are very like technical, fast, heavy, groovy at times. So yeah. more of the, you know, the, the minor sending like solos to give that like, real edginess, evilness. But then the chorus become very happy, very melodic. Yeah, yeah but like, nice. this is nothing like a little bit happier. This is like literally like day and night. Like those riffs are like I think even from even other um, Bloodshot Dawn albums are more pronounced now. Like the darker stuff is darker and heavier, and the lighter stuff for me is almost more really like just wow. This is almost like pop metal kind of baby metal style not so much it's more like a jazz fusion kind of element to it rather than a full pop metal element to it i guess oh yeah, it's still technical it's buggery and yeah even most of the solos are quite happy in nature as well and imagine the guitar tone like they're not heavily distorted guitar tones yeah. they're more just a nice they have a tone to them very very nice and warming for these solos so it actually makes it quite nice and the tone guitar tone as well sometimes has that like uh, industrial spacey tone effect to it, yeah. which I guess reflects the whole album. This whole album is called Reanimated. And I guess it's about reanimating people and Earth into like more robotic. Yeah, they got like a sci-fi thing. They always yeah. kind of touched on it before as well. And this one particular, there's even some tracks that have a uh, a keys or some sort of like uh, strings kind of sci-fi. Not as developed as Rings of Sand and stuff like that. Like we talked about before, but enough to touch on it to give it some sort of context. Yeah, no, different. Right. So yeah, like I said, guitars. Uh, uh, yeah, very good. Technically great. Um, some really chunky riffs. I think track four and six are going to get really, uh, yeah, very chunky, chunky in those ones there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so if you're, it, sometimes it feels like the songs are 
the, the solos are the songs and everything else is in the way <laughs> of the song of the solo because it's leads and stuff yeah like, in a chorus you get a lead and in a solo you get a solo and in a riff you get a technical thing that for some bands would be a solo you know it's it, it's an overwhelm but it's not just restricted to the guitars being impressive every element of this band is very tight the drumming is, is incredible I'm sure the bass player if you're into that kind of stuff does a good <laughs> job and the vocalist like you said Danny to me today he has an unusual style yeah, and it's two as well. So you have one guy who does the predominant, I guess, grouse, and the other guy who does the black metal screams type thing. Yeah. So they can do the whole trade-off, which is also great. And there's actually no, surprising there's no melodic singing there, and it would fit because of the uh, melodic, I guess, guitar playing yeah, stuff. Sure. Yeah, it's true. It's really melodic. So why don't you just go full bore and go get a singer? Um, yeah, they're, they're holding on to being like a heavy metal band, but it feels like they're trying to maybe pull that sideways. Now we can have something so you know, contrasted, but have it still have a darker edge to it. But at times, maybe you're right then. Maybe they should just bite the bullet and go full hog with it. Yeah, they used to get like full progressive in nature as well. Like one of the tracks here, like full like two and a half, three minute, just solo instrumental and gets like a full progressive song. So it wouldn't be so out of place if they decided to do it for like one song, get a guest vocal to come in and just do something like that. So, yeah. I mean, you never know next album, they might throw that in because why not yeah um, give it a little bit more depth to them you know like, like to give a track even more depth because they're already exploring the opportunities with the guitar so why not with another uh, instrument yeah definitely right. so, I mean these guys again very good songwriters they they do transition inside of songs quite well yeah how they it's very smooth yeah very definitely smooth. yeah how they jump into solos out of solos build up to the choruses and like going from the heavy evil core verse to like the happy chorus it actually is quite a nice transition it's not just like they they break it with big noise and come back to it yeah they, they transition well except for yeah it's very clever and i think the one thing that expanded in the universe is the bigger kind of grasp with um heavier styles i think when um ben was in it, it was far more melodic death metal you know i think now they're kind of touching more death metal to a degree i think the guitarist um the other guitarist is far more inspired by the darker stuff and i think they've kind of fall into that a little bit now to give them that sound. Um, I think they definitely separate themselves now. I think they, they deserve this album as well, really separates them from a lot of metal bands and uh, you can see why they're getting so much variety and so much popularity um, as well. Oh, yeah, definitely right. Again, because they've got the heaviness to help uh, suit that crowd. They've got the strong melodies in the chorus to help pull in the crowd. So they please both like metal fans quite well. Um, yeah, it's just that you're right. I think they need to either add a bit more of a different element with that different style of singing or maybe just make some songs less like progressive and overly technical because you kind of lose it a bit when you make these long progressive songs like what motion or what feel you're trying to get. Yeah, I, I get a little lost with it sometimes. I guess I, I did like these guys for a while, but I think there was a certain energy level that um, I got from earlier albums which I did enjoy. I, I found with... Uh, the old style where it had a little bit more um, uh, production was a little cleaner as well. I think it was a little maybe more micromanaged to a degree because the production on this album is far different. Um, it's more, it's uh, just dirtier. You know, this album is a bit more grittier and it's a bit more darker in tone. It definitely feels a little bit more, um, not underproduced, but compared to the previous album, definitely feels a little different. Okay, fair enough. This is the first Blush of Dawn album I've yeah. heard. So, so I feel like the quality, that's the problem for me. I felt like the quality in production there, they, they were really pushing towards that new modern production where it sounds phenomenal. But now with the new 
band, it really feels like the idea is to pull it back more and sound more raw and stuff like that. And that was interesting. I felt that little taken back from previous works where I'm like, oh, this feels not a cheaper effect, but definitely feels a little bit on the, you know, that side of, oh, that's, that's, that's different, but at a point, not, not, don't know if it was better or not. Yeah, it could be. I mean, can, it could be like some of these bands, even I think the band we did last week, the week before, because they're not really big on the heavy distortion or like yeah. aggressive sound, it, I guess it maybe sounds a bit soft or a bit weak and yeah, that might be throwing it off a bit because you're right, they don't, they don't sound like, like last year a lot of the albums were fantastic, like produced really oh, well, things like so heavy and aggressive. But these last couple of bands, yeah, the, 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 the tones of the guitar, I think, just throws it out a bit. I'm, you kind of expect it to be heavier. You think it should be heavier. Yeah. But it is. It's like, oh, it's, it's like a nice heavy. It's weird. Yeah, and that's the thing. And when it goes to the... And I guess the, the thing with this band is basically like the old days. When it goes to ultra happy parts, for me, like you were saying, Dave, it's a little... Even though it's a smooth transition, it's generally like... Oh, it's, it's, a, it's a nice, happy part, but I don't know what in the context of the song, what they were doing apart from showing off. Like, from when I was hearing it, I'm like, I don't get it. Like, it's, it's definitely higher and happier. And it's something different though, maybe that's the thing, maybe try and do it. But I always try to envision a song as a storytelling, and I don't know what it's getting across, you know, when it when it does that for every song, where every song's got that melodic edge, and it's a dark song in that. Um, I was giving Killswitch Engage the same problems when we heard that album last year. That album was far worse, by the way. Like, that album that they released last year was, well, that was terrible, uh, apart from a couple of tracks. This album has those minor, this just maybe minor nitpicking where I found that, uh, you know, I just can't love this band anymore, but I do enjoy it and they do surprise me with certain things. However, I don't get an emotional connection. I get a lot of them. These guys are really smart and really clever. They're, they're something me a bit, but what's, I don't get that, wow, you know, from that Samal album or from something a little bit more simple. And even from Archsphere, I got that, you know, particularly with the album, Reviewed earlier of last year. Um, well, am I talking shit, Danny? Is, is this a bit of a diatribe? No, you feel what you feel. <laughs> That's what it yeah. is, man. Thanks, Dad. Um, <laughs> what else are you thinking? Yeah, look, I understand where you come from. Sometimes you can lose it when it's over technical. It's hard for you like to capture the moment or the feeling because you don't know where they're going because it just it feels too much noise sometimes. And yeah. They'll throw like really technical, fast, quick lick, and that's great. But that's it. You don't hear it again, and then it goes like really heavy like thrash riff that's great and then that ends and then it goes into like the happy chorus and you kind of like trying to pick the pieces together yeah and you're it's a good point you're saying like if every song has that dichotomy of happy and sad it's like well is there any resolution to the maybe, album maybe exactly they could do is just stretch it out more over an album instead of having like tracks that are like sad and happy and that maybe have a track that's sad and then track be a happy track and maybe kind of flow with it more maybe a bit more dream theater like perhaps but it's just something about it that maybe it's not every track has to do it, but then I feel like they've written themselves in the corner a little bit sometimes. Um, maybe I'm looking at this far more than I shouldn't. Um, at the end of the day, these guys are, are getting separating themselves from everyone else with this sound. Um, it's just not for me. Like when I hear this sound, these are the things that come up. I'm like, well, apart from being really clever, what is it that these guys are achieving as far as their song is concerned? And um, it's the same problem I have. And, because the song has so much and so many changes, it's like, where is it that? Where's, where's its home? Where, what is it that it's going on? Um, but again, it's so clever, you know, so many different things, so I can applaud it at the same time. Yeah, but you're one of those guys who don't like happy, happy, like sad, happy. Yeah, so yeah. So this is like not one of your albums. It's, yeah, when it gets happy, happy for me in metal, I'm like, I don't get it. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, 
Where's the angst? Why did you come here? Like, <laughs> it's like going to a, going to a party that says nothing but beer and then someone brings a wine and you're like, didn't you get the memo? I said, but I like wine. I'm like, yeah, I get that you like wine. I think it makes you happy. But you do better alcohol when you're not happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I got nothing. Like, it's complete self-indulgence. People are going to be like, what are you talking about? Nah, and it's true. But um, that's just the only thing I've got to bend. And one equip that when it gets happy, it's like, ah, I can take a look. Yeah, true. But again, most metalheads who like the death, bit of thrash, you would like this album. Because again, it's technical, it's fast, some aggressive riffs at times, good grooves at times, the last melodies. So there's a lot going on there. So one of those albums you have yeah. to check out just to see if you like it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. This is a band that's doing something original with metal that's uh, in, a, in a style that is pretty much everything's been done. I'm mean, like death metal, it's just been going on for so many years, you know. Everyone's stealing from Sweden, and that's the way it is. And that's why we got metalcore and stuff. Because I, you know, like death metal happened. Um, whatever. It's the way it is. Uh, it's a good album though. You know, I do recommend it. I just don't love it. And I don't know if I will love it. And that's fair to say. But in the words of Bloodshot Dawn, the earth is free. The chains are broken. A time in history that will remain unspoken. Oh, it rhymes. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right, with that, we ended our show for the Super Metal Brothers this week. If you guys want to ask us any questions, Feel free to head over to our Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Subminal Bros. Uh, feel free to share with your friends, leave us a comment, a like, and let us know what news stories you want us to cover, or maybe a CD that you like, something that's come out this year, or a retro review. I think some people tease us wanting to do some Black Sabbath and stuff, but unless it's Dio, it might be a bit tricky. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, getting into the show, uh, good week for you, Zane. Got a lot of things coming up. We're going to be reviewing uh, Dimi Borgia. Got a track that came out this week. Yeah. Maybe that album, when it comes out, will be the saving grace for uh, symphonic black metal, maybe. Or maybe it's like the other albums. Kind of boring. Album one is Oh, well, it's always awesome. It's not like Old Man Child Roots, that's why you know it's him. Mm. And uh, yeah, so it should be a good uh, couple of months coming up soon. So with that, I'm Super Metal Brother Matt. And I'm Super Metal Brother Dan. You take care of yourself there, peeps, and uh, have a good week. We'll catch the next one.